Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Tucker Milling. Join Andy Schneider, National Spokesperson for the USDA APHIS Avian Health Program, Editor-in-Chief of Chicken Whisperer Magazine, and author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, Chicken Factor Chicken Poop, and Zero Waste Chicken Keeping, as he welcomes top poultry veterinarians, poultry scientists, and poultry nutritionists to discuss the hot topics in the poultry world today and provide science-based, fact-based, study-based information to help you raise the healthiest poultry possible. And now, here's your host, Andy Schneider. All righty, we are still kicking after surgery, uh, my third surgery in my lifetime of 52 years walking this planet. And uh, uh, my lovely wife says I recovered. Or I'm still recovering, but she says the recovery process, I guess I should say, has been much more pleasant this time than the previous two. So I guess that says something. I am on the mend, at least from this most current surgery. So it's very good to be here on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Tucker Millen. We thank you very much for tuning in today. We have a uh, fantastic show for you today. We've got egg and chicken recipes you will love and they are award-winning so uh, you gotta love it so um during my little host chat here which won't be too long uh, you can get a pen and paper and so you can jot some of these recipes down and then um you and your family can enjoy them uh as well so that's going to be a fantastic show today i thought it would be a little fun and a little bit different than getting down to the science and nitty-gritty of of uh, husbandry and, and health and different things like that. So um, Dr. McCray, my guest today, uh, she agreed. So I was excited uh, about that. So when we talk about this many times on these blogs, on the forums, on the groups, on Facebook and whatnot, you'll have someone say, what are y'all doing with all your extra eggs? And, you know, you see, I give them away or I sell them or I take them to the food bank or I take them to church or you know, I just I use all these different things that I do with them. And I'm in the same boat. I mean, we had a ton of chickens back when we were serving uh, a, a restaurant and then COVID uh, came and went, uh, I guess, as it went really yet. But the restaurant that we were serving with our eggs, um, they totally shut down. Now they're back up and running, but they haven't started breakfast service yet. So we sold off a lot of our layers. But um, even now, we still have uh, a lot of eggs uh, extra, even the ones we sell to just private individuals that come by the homestead and whatnot or um, want us to bring a few dozen to a church when we come. So we fall in that same category. And so one thing that we love here uh, at our homestead, uh, our quiche, 
Yeah, I know. Remember the old T-shirts from the 80s, real men don't eat quiche. But, uh, and I've tried many, many variations of that. Um, I Mainly kind of the, the go-to, the, the standard that I do is, is very basic. So I'll do um, ham, mushroom, um, sharp cheddar, and I think that's it. Just ham, mushroom, and cheddar is what I normally do. I've tried things like uh, where I've um, uh, done ground sausage and placed it with the ham. I've done diced chicken. I've even done uh, smoked barbecue that I've diced up and put um, into the uh, into the quiche. I'm trying to think of any other weird things that I've done. I've never used fish. Um, Oh, bacon. I've done bacon uh, quiche before, and I just really keep it super, super simple because my wife, she wakes up super, <laughs> pardon me, super, super early um, during the week, uh, like, you know, four thirty, five o'clock. And so in between her classes, she teaches that earlier right after. Um, I like to have something prepared for her. And so uh, I'll normally make uh, one every week or I'll make two at a time uh, and then do that sometimes twice a month. And then I'll just put one in the freezer, put in the fridge. She'll cut off a slice like a pizza, you know, quiche, and then our pie, and puts it in the microwave, and and, and then eats it. So um, we do those quiche quite a bit, and I don't do anything really fancy. It, again, um, in fact, I don't even make my pie shells because I like to do this very quickly and be done with it. So I just get you know the good old fashioned frozen what is it Pillsbury or uh, whatever brand store brought band, just the the frozen pie shells. You know, I'll get, I'll dice up the ham, I'll dice up the, um, and put that down first, dice up the ham, put it down, dice up the mushrooms, I'll put that down, uh, and then I'll sprinkle the cheese on top, and I'll get my egg mix, <laughs> and the egg mix, you know, I've used all different types of egg mixes that I've seen, both looking at YouTube and reading recipes, and you know, some people use half and half, somebody will, some will use mixed uh, milk or whole milk and part cream some so everybody has their own little different and i've done that i've used the half and half um but to now again quick and easy and lazy i just use uh, uh organic whole milk and i just um use about for one pie shell with already ham in it already mushrooms in it and already cheese in it i normally do about five whole eggs sometimes six but i'll have leftover about five whole eggs and I don't even measure the milk anymore. I think it's probably about a half or three quarters of a cup. Um, I just put it in there till it looks like looks right, and then mix all that up um, with a whisk. And then I pour it on top of the um, mixture of cheese, ham, and uh, mushroom. And then I put it in the oven, 375. I don't even time it. I just when I open the oven and jiggle the cookie sheet that both of the quiche are on, and they're not really jiggling in the middle, I take them out and set them on the counter. So again, super simple, super fast, not gourmet by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not custom making my pie shells or anything like that. And it works, it tastes good. I sometimes I put a little salt and pepper over the top before I put it in the oven. Um, and then she's good to go for breakfast for you know a couple of weeks with those two quiche. So that's one way we in, uh, like to use uh, our extra eggs around here. And then most recently, I started doing um, pickling eggs. And, um, you know, I don't think actually – let me get a water here. Hey, Mama Bear, can you bring me a bottle of water? Thank you. She's in there actually right now uh, preserving and pressure canning potatoes from the garden. I'll be talking about that next and how the homestead has really been a uh, canning processor over the last three weeks. But um, 
but uh, uh, pickling eggs. Now, I'm 52 years old, born and raised here in the South. I grew up going into convenience stores on the corner, seeing these huge, huge glass jugs with these different uh, flavored um, <laughs> uh, pickled eggs in them at the counter, ready for you to buy with tongs sitting there, and um, never had one. Probably kind of turned my nose up at them. Hang on just a sec, guys. Oh, me. And uh, but I'm like, you know, I have all these eggs. I'm going to try this. Well, I started researching recipes. And if you live in a homestead, you know, time is precious, especially with two kids. And and uh, we're so involved with our church and other things. So time is precious. And, and so I reached out to a really good friend out in Arkansas and she does this all the time. And I uh, said, hey, give me your recipe for your favorite recipe for some pickled eggs. And so she did. And, and I looked and it was something like eight or ten weeks or something just ridiculously long before she actually eats them or tries to sell them or whatever. And I'm like, eight to ten weeks? <laughs> what? Are you kidding me? So I was sharing with my uh, one of my best friends with this. I happened to be in Kroger at the time just doing some shopping, and I got a little message from him. Ding! And I opened it up, and it said, hey, I found this recipe for pickled eggs that's ready in about a week. And I said, interesting. I'm at Kroger shoot i'll try it so i've been wanting to anyway so i got all the ingredients and i came home and and lo and behold uh, we're actually on our second batch now and um you know we like them uh it's um it's interesting because eight days ten days however long you want to keep them in there but they claim hey you know you can start eating these in eight days and I don't have the recipe right in front of me, guys, but um, we have them in the fridge right now, and they're probably about two weeks in there in the solution. And uh, obviously, the longer they're in the solution, uh, the more flavor would actually permeates uh, and gets through the egg. Uh, to this point, I have not had any of the flavor get into the yolk. I'm guessing some of these, like, like the young lady I'm friends with out in Arkansas with her pickled eggs, it says, oh, I, I use these for, you know, I, I let them sit for two months that maybe uh, it will uh, permeate through the entire egg um, and even into the yolk. But for ours right now, it's probably two weeks. And if I got one out, um, and I would ask for one, but it looks like my wife's really busy doing the potatoes. Maybe at commercial break, I'll get one and slice it and, and, let, and, and describe what I taste. But after the first batch, after eight days, I tried the first egg. And it basically was like, you know, I described it as eating a boiled egg with a kind of a pickle aftertaste to it. It wasn't crazy strong. It didn't even get near the yolk. It was just pretty much almost really just – it may have gotten some absorbed into the yolk, um, the white, I guess you should say, not the yolk. Uh, and it may just be the surface flavor I was tasting. But uh, we liked them. It was just a diff- it just added a different flavor to just a regular old hard-boiled egg. Um, and so I don't remember the recipe exactly, but it was pretty simple. It was basically white vinegar. Uh, I think it was like three cups of white vinegar, one cup of water. Um, I did like – it was maybe a tablespoon of two of garlic uh, cloves. And maybe it said one garlic clove, and I just had some diced garlic already, so I just threw that in there, maybe a couple of tablespoons of that. Um, I didn't have fresh um, dill, so uh, I didn't use the dill pickle mix. I just used the vinegar, and, that, and then I used a, I, got, I bought a thing out of the spice aisle of the dill flakes, I guess. Put that in there. Um, and there were some other things that I added. I'm sorry, I don't remember. But, hey, you know, the first time we tried that, after eight days, I tried it. And like I said, they gave it enough flavor just to be a little bit different than just eating a hard-boiled egg. So we all seemed to like it because it was different. 
Now, the second batch I've got going right now in the fridge, commercial break, I'll pull one out because they've probably been in about two weeks, um, maybe a little longer, but I doubt it. I think we're around the two-week mark, and I'm going to just keep them in there for you know up to a month or six weeks and see, obviously, how long it takes with this recipe to get more and more flavor within that egg. And there may be a secret that Dr. McRae is going to share with us. Maybe it's just time. Maybe eight weeks, ten weeks is the time frame uh, to have that egg fully flavored throughout. Um, but, hey, I'm really enjoying this. So, you know, we'll do two dozen at a time, and they're in the jar, they're in the fridge, and that white vinegar. And, and, and you know, I haven't tried to put jalapenos in it because they're like, hey, you know, you can add jalapenos in there to give it a little kick. And the longer it stays in there, the more kick and spice it has. I guess you can go wild with um, pickled eggs, with whatever flavor you want. Um, so it's pretty uh, interesting. So those are a couple of ways uh, that we've recently – started using some uh, extra eggs um, that, that we've really enjoyed around the house, the quiche and the uh, pickling them. And then uh, last but not least, we'll wrap up kind of the host chat here at the beginning of the show. We'll go to commercial break and we'll bring on uh, Dr. McRae and she's going to share all kinds of uh, com- um, uh, recipes with us, eggs, chicken recipes, award-winning with her 4-H group over in Alabama. But um, yeah, the garden here on the homestead this year, let me tell you, <laughs> we've had gardens for years. And this year, um, uh, we've had the best corn, we've had the best carrots, and we've had the best potatoes out of any year we have ever had a garden. I, I guess I can't really tell you why. Jen's done some things differently out there. I know she spends gobs of time out there in the garden, and I'm guessing t- your time would, of course, uh, probably result in a better uh, harvest makes sense, right? Because she spends a lot of time in the garden. Um, but the corn, the potatoes, and the carrots are the best we've ever done. The tomatoes this year, for some reason, are a little slow to come into play, um, uh, as well as the cantaloupe, but they are coming on. The, the snap beans, again, we've got tons of those. We've canned, uh, pressure canned. Now, last year, if you remember, last year our garden, we focused on dehydrating and then canning. Um, so we dehydrated everything in our dehydrators, the squash, the zucchini, the okra, anything else we've done strawberries blueberries oh green beans and we dehydrated them and then we put them into the mason ball jars and then I put that little lid sucker on top and then used a a, actually it's a brake bleeder sucked all the air out sealed those cans and they're up and so we dehydrated most everything out of the garden last year this year we said you know what for variety we're going to go ahead and pressure can these Jim did all the research and so for the last two, three weeks, we've just been pressure canning fools here on the homestead. And as I look into the kitchen and kind of peer around, I see tons of, I don't know if they're sterilized, you know, the drill, when you put, well, sterilized the uh, mason jars ready to roll. She's peeling the, uh, I think these are Yukon Golds that we've got right now, peeling those. <laughs> And then she's, I think, cook them for 10 minutes, and then she puts them in the jars and whatnot, and then, and then pressure cans them. So right now, we're today and tomorrow, and probably for the next three days, I think we'll be doing potatoes. And then uh, one, maybe we may break in there in between and do our corn, because uh, we've already done a bunch of green beans. And then we'll wrap up again uh, green beans after the corn and the potatoes are done. So uh, pressure canning like fools right now. It's absolutely crazy. But uh, putting everything up. Um, oh, and I did apple butter, and I probably did apple butter sooner than I should have after surgery because that night when I got done doing apple butter, uh, I was in a considerable amount of pain just because it's my, my most active day, and I had chose that day for whatever reason not to take any more of the over-the-counter meds. I haven't taken any, not one, not a single. The bag is prescribed the 
um, narcotic pain pills. This, they're still in the bottle. I don't even know where they're at. It's still stapled up. Basically, it's just alternating Advil and Tylenol every four hours, and that's been good. Well, I think Monday I went to do, and, and I downed the dose instead of two pills every four hours. I just took one, kind of to wing off of that too. And then Tuesday, I took a morning dose. That was the day I canned all the uh, apple butter. And then that was it. I didn't take any the rest of the day, and I paid for it that night uh, about bedtime. But I did uh, eight jar, seven jars of apple butter. <clears throat> and uh, uh, we all love apple butter here at the house, and it's just a water bath seal. You know that in the, in the uh, not the quart jars, pint jars. And um, uh, it's very easy to do, and we love it. And uh, we do it in the Instapot. So uh, it's about half the time, maybe even less than half the time. And that's another thing I had to do on that day. That my first venture out after surgery was I drove up to Kroger to buy Instapot because the one we had for seven years uh, ended up in the board frying. And it just it just peeled out on us. So that found its way uh, into the garbage. So I needed that to do the apple butter. So anyway, yep, canning, storing, all that kind of stuff. We'd love to hear from you. Um, with what you do, you can email us at cw at chickenwhisperer.com. Tell us all about what you're doing on your homestead and your recipes, and we'll try to share them on our Facebook page. You can share them on our Facebook page over at Chicken Whisper. Go and do that um, because we'd love to hear what you're doing this spring with all of your garden goodies, your canning, whether you're dehydrating or your pressure canning. Uh, we also got for the first time, I got it for Christmas, uh, one of those, um, oh gosh, what do you call them, They're the bags that you seal. And we've we've used those. We've experimented with those uh, with our squash and zucchini. So last year we dehydrated all of our squash and zucchini, and then this year uh, I said, you know what? Instead of doing that, uh, let's try because um, we've heard things about blanching. I know, like when we did squash years ago, we'd blanch them, ice bath, and then and then and then seal them in in, in the in the bags. What are they called? Those. Uh, you know, the seal bags. Put it in the machine. It goes, sucks all the air out. So this year I told Jen, I said, hey. Let's try something new. We'll, we'll mark it and label it on the bag of what they are. Let's just wash the squash and zucchini, dry it really good, slice it into the slices we like, and then we'll put it in the bag, seal it, and then put it in the freezer. So we've got a good amount of zucchini and squash that has not been blanched. It was just washed, dried, sliced, put in the bags, sucked all the air out, and then put in the freezer because I want to see the consistency when I pull that out, whether I want to do saute squash, if I'm going to use it in the squash casserole, or, or just um, I want to, uh, you know, however I want to use it. So soups. So we're going to um, see how that works without blanching it because, you know, you do the little Google research. You become a Google researcher, and you see, and there's all different types of ways. So uh, we did a good bit of that uh, non-blanch. So we're going to see what happens with that. Uh, like I said, it's in the freezer in those sucky bags and uh, <laughs> whatever you call them. Hey, I'm going to go to commercial break. Uh, get that pen and paper out because we're about all kinds of cool egg and chicken recipes from Dr. McCray and award-winning from her 4-H group. And uh, this is going to be a really fun show. Hope you've enjoyed host chat. Hope you've learned something. If you have any questions for me about what we do on the homestead, please send me an email. We'll be able to share what we do. Um, I'm sure some of it's probably not the perfect way or the right way, but so far... It's kind of done pretty well for us, but we're always learning to willing to learn too. So if you have any tips or tricks for us, please email on CW at chickenwhisperer.com. I'm going to go to commercial break and we come back. We'll get into some more specific recipes about eggs and chicken, which maybe I too can use right here on the homestead with all the extra eggs we get. We'll talk to you here in just a few minutes. Don't go anywhere, folks. When you need an incubator, think Brincy, the incubation specialists. Brincy has been a world-leading manufacturer of quality incubators for almost 40 years. 
They manufacture incubators that hold anywhere from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity controls and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and receive 10% off your entire order. Order your new incubator today at Brincy.com. That's B-R-I-N-S-E-A.com. Are you dealing with a stinky coop or brooder? Backyard chicken owners are loving Chick Fresh. Not only does it eliminate the nasty odors, but it also eliminates the dangerous and unhealthy ammonia. You can use Chick Fresh in your coop, brooder, garbage can, litter boxes, and more. Even use it in your spouse's smelly shoes. Get your bottle 15% off today by going to coopcarespecial.com. Take back control and say no to nasty odors. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. The Yardbird Chicken Plucker takes the hassle out of backyard chicken processing by fully defeathering birds in just 15 seconds. Powered by a 1.5 horsepower electric motor, the Yardbird Chicken Plucker can handle two 8-pound birds at one time, while the built-in irrigation ring keeps your hands free for other butchering tasks. The 20-inch stainless steel drum features 110 rubber plucking fingers that gently remove feathers and dirt without tearing the skin. When butchering is complete, the plucker rinses clean with just soap and water. To learn more or purchase your plucker, visit YardbirdPluckers.com. And now we return to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer with your host, Andy Schneider. All righty, back here on the homestead here at Chicken Whisperer Farm. And another update I don't think I've mentioned here <coughs> is we ended up selling <coughs> pardon me, all of our milk goats. Uh, we, we sold all of those. Most of them went to other homesteaders or beginning homesteaders. So we were glad they went to good homes. And then we switched over to uh, meat goats. And so we've got our breeding <coughs> trio, if you will. And they, uh, we got them as babies. So it'll be a little bit uh, while before they start, I think, reproducing. But um, and you can milk them too, uh, if we need to go that route, uh, later on, but we were, uh, we were ready to kind of get out of the, the milk goat, um, <clears throat> homesteading. So now we've got the, uh, the milk goat. Yes. Yeah, so now we've got the, the meat goats. Um, and then <clears throat> think of if anything else is going on. Um, oh, the food forest that we talked about, if you're a regular listener, which many of you are, food forest is producing fantastic. All the fruit trees have survived and are doing great. Jen's done a lot of experimentation with those and different pruning techniques. Um, they produced great strawberries and, and actually even currently blueberries for us. Um, of course, the raspberries and the blackberries, <coughs> um, what else, a couple of three years out on those. Um, but we also have found this year, uh, first time in three and a half years being on this homestead, is we found wild blackberries galore. Oh, my gosh, they're all over our property. And so Jen will come in with coffee cups full, <coughs> pardon me, of, of wild blackberries. And so what a treat to have that just growing wild <coughs> on our property. 
And so we've got that going on. But um, yeah, she, she real quick, I'll bring Dr. McRae on with our food forest. You know, we, we bought and purchased some large uh, fruit trees. I say large. They were um, probably uh, five and six feet tall when we purchased them. They were bald and burlapped um, <clears throat> is what they were. And we planted all of them. And then Jen had done, you know, again, being a Google researcher, um, had her favorites on, on YouTube uh, and watching them. And she took like two or three different recommendations based on, you know, to see what would work best for us in her food forest. We have like 25 fruit trees maybe that we planted last, last uh, October, last fall and um, September. And she pruned them differently. In fact, this is hilarious. Uh, on one of our peach trees, uh, now this is like a five-foot-tall to six-foot-tall uh, tree, bald and burlap that we bought. She literally got the super sharp pruners and just went snip and cut it probably two feet from the root ball. Just two feet, just boop. So all it was is a daggum sticks coming up out of the ground. And then others, she kind of cut the middle out. Others, she you know trimmed back a little bit, but not all the way and everything. And I kid you not, folks. The best looking fruit tree we got right now as far as foliage and, and shape and just really looking good <laughs> is that peach tree that she literally just murdered, uh, but obviously she didn't because it looks beautiful. And the guy that's kind of famous for doing this, he owns a nursery uh, and does sales and stuff. And she's like, okay, it was hard for her to do that. You know, we just paid, what, 30 bucks for this tree, 40 bucks, whatever. And she just, and she took cuttings, obviously, from it. Uh, all but what she cut off, but um, uh, it, it was hard for her to do it, but he, he's like, you know, uh, really not for us because we have many acres here, but, you know, backyard uh, fruit tree harvest and how to shape it and keep it small for, for a backyard. If you don't have a lot of land, how you can still produce a good amount of fruit off of this fruit tree and still pe keep it kind of compact. So, but it's the best looking daggum uh, <clears throat> a peach tree we have out of all the ones we bought. Last year, between the pear and the bananas are looking good. Remember, I showed pictures of people, the bananas we planted up there, and uh, we had a couple of frosts come through, and they just turned black and just, and she was so scared she lost them. I said, Jen, I think they'll come back. I mean, like a week after we planted these suckers, uh, and we got them from, we dug them up from another big, massive banana tree locally. Uh, we bought them from the friend. I don't know what they call them, tubers or little you know, things, fingers that grow up out next to it. And they're out there just flourishing, doing great right now. I think we have four or five of the bananas. And even through the frost here, um, they did fantastic. And she came in one day and she says, guess what's coming up? All that dead black stuff and the bananas that got hit by the frost. Here it comes. Super fresh shoots growing up into the ground. So, all right, let's go to the phone lines. And we will welcome my very good friend, poultry scientist, Dr. Bridget McRae, because we want to hear about all these awesome recipes. So, obviously, we've been very, very, very busy. And then you got to throw in surgery into that and the recovery. But we're still we're still uh, uh, poking along as best as we can, Dr. McRae. But it's uh, we are a... Uh, the homestead is on full blast right now. <laughs> <laughs> You're a busy guy. What a time for a surgery. It's good to talk know, to you. Right? You too. Thanks for coming um, on. Well, one of the things I want to tell you folks about is, um, you know, y'all know that I work for 4-H, and I just finished up Alabama 4-H Poultry Week, which is a big deal here in Alabama. Yeah. Um, we We adjusted how we did things last year because of COVID, Mm -hmm. And in an effort to get more participation in our 4-H egg cookery contest, um, we made it a cyber club. And we had our final event on the last day of last month. And we had six participants come in and 
compete and it basically it's a demonstration but it's a cooking demonstration mm-hmm. where you show off certain star- steps of your recipe but uh, we had one young man who just far and away surpassed the rest of the competition and he made angel food cake cupcakes with um, topping and it was delicious Hmm. And as every one of your listeners knows, Angel Food Cake uses a lot of eggs, and it is a Mm -hmm. great egg recipe. So if you are most definitely searching for a way to um, use up those extra eggs, why not make an Angel Food Cake? It uses Hmm. about a dozen eggs. Wow. It's light. It's airy. It is very much a summer dish, and it is such a treat for anyone who gets to have a piece, but um, a lot of people overlook angel food cake, and I don't know why. Maybe a little whipped cream and a little with... little blueberries and strawberries right yeah, from the garden. any kind of fruit. <laughs> yeah, and then you just, you know, you are stuck with 12 yolks then. <clears throat> we'll make a sponge cake. Why not go ahead and make a sponge cake or a pound cake? And that'll use up a lot of your yolks. Um, or... Go straight for something that can be used with the angel food cake. Why don't you plop those um, yolks into some lemon curd that you make at home? That is a fabulous way for you to take those, you know, what would normally be something that you toss or have to figure out how to store. You'll go ahead and put those right away in a little bit of lemon curd with maybe some raspberries and some whipped cream with that angel food cake, and it is. Yum, yum, yum. Delicious. One of the things that I know your listeners um, are kind of nervous about is some of the cooking equipment that's associated with cooking with eggs. So let's go through a few of those pieces of equipment that you probably have in your house um, that you can get a lot of double duty out of. Um, you, You probably have an omelet pan. Which you maybe you fry up your eggs in the morning, so make yourself a fried egg sandwich in the morning or even an omelet. Mm-hmm. But an omelet pan can also act as a crepe pan. When you make up a crepe batter, you just take about a third of a cup or a quarter of a cup, depending on the size of your particular pan. Um, smaller pans need less. And you're basically rolling around a thin amount of batter and cooking it quickly over medium heat, flipping it once, and then boom, your crepe is done. And you didn't mm-hmm. have to go purchase a crepe pan. Mm. Um, and our 4-Hers this year, halfway through our Egg Cookery Cyber Club, of course, they were getting mystery items and mystery recipes, mystery ingredients every month um, that they had to work on and learn new techniques for. But about halfway through the program, I came and visited them, and we made crepe cakes. So you get very good, very good at um, making crepes if you have to stack, you know, 20 or 30 of them up high and, um, you know, maybe putting some bamboo skewers in there for for good measure and stability, structural stability so they don't slide off. Um, just taking a little bit of flavored whipped cream or plain whipped cream mm-hmm. and just a very thin layer, putting that um, between the crepes. And then you'll have something that looks 
absolutely magnificent, especially when you cut through it and pull out that first slice and you see all those layers and it just looks like perfection. So don't forget about crepes. Don't forget about crepe cakes. And you can just use your humble kitchen omelet pan, a nonstick pan, and those will come right out for you. I think I would have used um, on the crepes um, strawberry-flavored um uh, cream cheese, the whippable kind, like the spreadable. Oh. Stra- yeah, strawberry cream cheese and a crepe. I think like IHOP has those. I haven't had it in years, but yeah, the crepes, <laughs> they put like that. Now I'm thinking about that. You mentioned, oh yeah, I have crepes. I've had them before. And normally they have like something really rich inside, like cream cheese, like strawberry cream cheese or blueberry cream cheese or something that makes it really rich and or sweet just or whatever. Up some strawberries <clears throat> with whipping cream and, and layer of. Make one layer be strawberries and one layer be whipped cream, and one layer be strawberries and one layer be whipped cream. Hey, then, with the with the um, oh, angel food cake. So um, I know that that's kind of like I'm wondering if I have to go spend some money to do this or can I accommodate other pans? So like I've got a bunt cake pan which still has that hole in it, but it has the scalloped uh, base. Uh, now most of the angel food cakes I have is looks like a bunt pan. But it's just smooth around the edges and, and flat on right. the bottom. Is that very important, or can I make a, a, um, a angel food cake in a bunt pan? Is that crucial that I use it, that? It will be more difficult in a bunt pan. <laughs> okay. Because okay. your bunt pan is much better suited for, say, a pound cake or a sponge cake rather than mm-hmm. an angel food cake. You're okay. you're going to have a lot of um, sticking on the sides mm-hmm. and. Um, because of the nature of the egg, you do not want to spray some Pam or oil in there, which can deflate your foam and your, your angel food cake won't rise. Okay. But um, so you you can still use that bunt cake pan, maybe not for bunt cake, but try a sponge or a pound cake. Mm-hmm. And you will be pleased. Now, our third place competitor was only one point behind the second-place competitor in Alabama 4-H egg cookery contest, and she had the most amazing, amazing sour cream Mm. pound cake. And it was just, she cooked it low and slow in a beautiful bunt cake pan, just like you're describing. Sure. And it came out, and it was like a a nonstick bunt cake pan, and you right. know how you cook it and you can get that, that kind of crispy, crunchy yes. crust? She nailed and it and the, the inside was perfect. Yes, and the the perfect fluffiness inside. Um, and then our second place person, she made crepes, but she made savory crepes. And she made a goat cheese and prosciutto crepe Fancy. that was delicious. And it was uh, the kind of crepe that – and there was also scrambled eggs in there, but you couldn't quite tell that there were scrambled eggs in there. Mm. Um, It was a a theme that was, all right, what are you going to do after your workout um, if you're into sports in high school? Well, you're going to need something that's protein-packed that Mm -hmm. still fills you up. Well, here's a dish, flavorful and is not boring, and it's fairly quick. So it was a great solution that she came up with. And uh, along with this contest, folks, you have to go with a 
theme. You, you dress according to the theme and your posters and your table match the theme. So the young lady who had the pound cake, um, the sour cream pound cake, her theme was um, state fair. Or huh. And then the second place person, her theme was um, sports. And the first place, his theme was picnic. So, yeah. All these things are great, and if you bring an angel food cake to a picnic, there's a there's an ooh uh-huh. and awe factor there. <laughs> so that that and that, everybody uh, knows it's healthy. That yeah right. <laughs> that pound cake, I, I, I'm a sucker for pound cake, especially the ones you would get by. It always seems like the the older ladies, say of the church or the family, would always bring either a chocolate pound cake, sour cream pound, lemon pound cake. Now Jen will fight you. Over a lemon pound cake, so um, that, <laughs> but, I mean, you just you know the good ones like you described, you know they're got that crispy kind of on the top with crackled, and then you know you cut a slice and it literally seems to weigh a pound, and it's so dense yeah. and thick. And then if you of course uh, mix up some homemade, I guess it is the uh, lemon kind of frosting, and then drizzle over it, and have, you because you, you can make a the lemon pound cake with lemon flavoring built in, but then sometimes, and sometimes not, depending on who made it, they'll have like that uh, sugary uh, lemon kind of icing on the lemon pound cake, and then you're like adding another thousand calories to that one slice, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm a sucker for the pound cake, those old-fashioned pound cakes, uh, absolutely amazing. <clears throat> so there are things that folks have around the house that they can absolutely use to make um, delicious foods. Uh, One of the things that I wanted to talk to your listeners about was, um, you know, additional dishes that people just forget are ridiculously Mm -hmm. easy to make. Mm -hmm. Um, First of all, let's talk a little bit about um, cream puffs. You basically make a pate choux pastry which is essentially you take some some milk and butter and then you mix in, um, melt the butter in a pan, bring it to a boil, throw in your flour, maybe some sugar. Um, depending on your recipe, the amounts will vary. And then you're basically cooking that flour into a paste in that pan. And while it's still hot, you are one at a time fully beating in an egg, as many as the recipe calls for, depending on your dish, and then mm-hmm. you have a pate choux. And it's just very sticky dough. And so a lot of people don't like to work with it, but mm-hmm. you'll load that dough into, um, like, say, a pastry bag, or if you don't have a pastry bag, you can use a Ziploc bag and you snip the corner off, yep, and then yep. you can you can mm-hmm. put little dollops onto parchment paper or a nonstick surface, they're going to puff right up, whether you're making cream puffs or an eclair Mm -hmm. or like I made this weekend, I made a karpatka, which is an eclair cake. And I just put that into an 8-inch round cake pan, split it 50-50 between the two cake pans, and it puffed right up. Um, when When they're done... For, say, like cream puffs or eclairs, you're going to poke a little hole in the bottom so that you let the steam out, and you'll be able to just go ahead and um, pipe a little bit of 
whipped cream in there if you want. You can make it flavored whipped cream. You can um, sometimes you can dye the whipped cream with natural dyes with like say blueberries or raspberries or one of the fun things that I have found at the grocery store these days is going over to the smoothie section and they already have pureed like dragon fruit, pink dragon fruit. We mm-hmm. use that to make some pink crepes. That was a lot of fun. You have never seen something so fun as a bright pink crepe <laughs> cake. It was awesome. That that um, um the cake so, you described with the uh the uh, the, the eclair, what'd you call it in the the cream puff right? I I think I remember you posted you took that to work and it was like chocolate and you had like the top <laughs> and lower layer with all that, that chocolate filling in the middle. Do I remember that correctly? You took it to work, that, I think, and that shared was, it. That was one of the days. Yeah, we did chocolate one of the times <clears> and then we <throat> did um we did ube and then we did um dragon fruit, pink dragon fruit and those those were fun. Huh. Those were a that's, lot of fun. That's cool. So don't forget the, the humble custard pie. That that goes through a lot of eggs. Okay. Um, there's a couple different kinds of custards, though. A baked custard is what you're familiar with. Most everybody's familiar with a custard pie. I usually go get a store-bought pie crust mm-hmm. just like you do, mm-hmm. except for mine tends to be not Pillsbury. I go get the Keebler graham cracker pie crust. Okay. And, um, we do One that of the with our um, complain about. We do that with our pumpkin pie. In fact, I've got some here. Yeah. So, yep, yeah. So we'll do, use that with pumpkin pie. So I'm familiar. Easy to cool. find at the grocery store. Yeah. So you can start with a baked custard, um, and so it it can be sweetened, and mm-hmm. it, if it's lightly sweetened, you can also get away with it as a breakfast dish the next morning. Hmm. Um. So if you're if you're wanting a firmer custard or you want to go, you want the, 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 the cooking, shorten the cooking time, increase the amount of eggs that are in the recipe. Um, if you're worried, um, you know, if you've got extra egg yolks and you're like, oh, I like custard pie, but I don't want, I've got to get rid of these egg yolks. You can substitute two egg yolks for one whole egg. And two egg whites will also thicken the custard as much as one whole egg. Hmm. Um, but if you're using egg whites, you're going to lose that, that characteristic mm-hmm. flavor mm-hmm. and color. But maybe that's something you want to consider. Is maybe you're like, I like how your balls are tastes like eggs. I don't want it to taste all eggy. Well, try egg whites. Try egg white custard pie. You will be pleased. You will be surprised. Try something new. Um, but, well, I didn't do anything either. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Um, McRae said she didn't do next, anything either, Caleb. Quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about stirred custards. Um, this is a, a really overlooked area of cooking with eggs. And it it's basically a soft custard or custard sauce. I'm usually cooking on the stovetop, creamy mostly pourable. Um, you can make a um, a creme anglaise, which is a very thin um, stirred custard, and you can pour that over, um, over cakes or over fruit and just call it done. So you can take fresh fruit and pour the creme anglaise over it, and it's a nice change from, say, whipping cream. Um, you can use 
uh, a little bit thicker consistency and make a creme patisserie. And you can use that as a filling for, like, say, maybe you're going to make a, um, a Bavarian cream pie or you're planning on making a filling for those cream puffs or an eclair, and that's what you want to put inside there. Uh, maybe you're making profiteroles. Sorry about that. But if you make a, a, a creme patisserie and you put it into a tart um, pan that has a, um, a crust in it that you've already pre-baked, then you can just layer fruit over it. You put a little bit of a glaze over the top, uh, and you're done. And you can use whatever fruits are in season. So right now, if peaches are on, use peaches. If plums come next, then use plums. So it's a great way to mix things up, and it's not terribly hard to make. There is a tempering process. And tempering is when you take a hot liquid, usually you've heated up your milk or your cream or whatever the recipe calls for is a hot liquid. Maybe it has sugar in it. And you slowly add that to the egg mixture as you beat it. And what you're trying to do is slowly add the hot liquid to the eggs and mixing well so that you don't end up cooking the eggs in one spot and then it all comes out lumpy. That can happen if you add hot liquid too soon. So don't be afraid to try making a uh, creme anglaise or maybe a creme um, patisserie for some of these dishes. And if you take a creme patisserie and you add uh, whipped cream to it, then you have something called diplomat cream. And that's just a really light, delicious um, dish with fresh fruit that you get from the garden or from the store, and people will just rave over that. Something else that people use a a similar um, mixture is for trifle. Some people enjoy making a summer trifle. Uh, Again, something similar for the creme patisserie, not with cream added, is the, the eclair cake. Um, you might just make a plain old Bavarian cream, and that can have any kind of fruit that you'd like to add to it. When you make lemon meringue pie, you're basically adding lemon meringue to a creme patisserie, and those are stirred custards. So you can really change things up, um, add some egg whites to the top of a lemon meringue pie, get that um, wispy top to that pie that looks like it's all toasted, almost like a marshmallow, and serve that to your guests. If you've got a torch, you can use that. You can also um, cook your meringue in the oven, just making sure that you don't place the meringue onto your pie filling when it, the pie filling is too hot or you get something called weeping. And that's when the two do not meld together, but rather the top tries to slide off and go for a walk elsewhere, probably on the bottom of your your oven, and then you got to clean it, and then you're all frustrated, <laughs> but <laughs> <clears throat> making sure everything is properly cooled will certainly, certainly help you. Uh, so those are some of the things that I am working on as part of my job this year. Is I worked mostly with senior level 4-H members, which means age 14 and up. 
And we did a whole eight months of recipes where they received a mystery dish, a mystery recipe, Hmm. and one ingredient for that recipe in the mail. Didn't know what they were getting, but they had to practice it before we did our Zoom meetings where I had a guest speaker usually coming in and talking to them. And um, they got to share their successes and failures in making these particular dishes. But, for example, we made things like uh, savory and dessert dishes. We made Turkish eggs, which uses Greek yogurt and um, you know eggs that are poached and a little bit of um, garlic and sea salt, unsalted butter, olive oil. And we served those, you know, we gave instructions on how to serve that and, you know, using it with toasted bread. Um, we also had a dish called religious, which is, again, with the pate choux. And you basically pipe two kinds of um, cream puffs, one bigger than the other, and then you stack them after you fill them. And then we had a really good dish that I wish more people would take the time to make, and that's a pavlova. Perfect for using up egg whites that's not an angel food cake. You basically beat the egg whites. You add a little bit of sugar, cream of tartar, some cornstarch, and you throw it in the oven. Not literally. You place it in the oven. Um, Low and slow for a long amount of time. And then you pull out some whipped cream and some fruit for the topping. And the outside, it's super crispy and it's crackly looking. And then the inside is very soft and marshmallowy. And so you've got this crunchy and marshmallowy texture. Not everybody's liking, but it is definitely something that's going to be a huge wow factor for family and visitors if they should be willing to try it. Another way to use pastry cream, which is that stirred custard I talked to you about, is to make milfaya. And that is M-I-L-L-E. The second word is F-E-U-L-L-E. And it's basically puff pastry dough with a little bit of creme patisserie in between the layers. And it looks fancy. looks really fancy. It's pretty easy to make. The hard part is trying to get the puff pastry to not puff up too much. Because once you get used to making pastry cream, you're good to go. We've also, in the course of the year, we've made flan. Mm -hmm. And we've made eggs benedict. And then Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if your listeners know what a daquoise is. It's basically... Um, uses six eggs, egg whites. You mix it in with some cornstarch and almond flour, some um, other ingredients, and you cook it low and slow. And actually, one of our 4-H'ers, she noticed that there was a daquoise mentioned in the newest Beauty and the Beast movie, and so she used that as her theme for her <laughs> for her particular presentation. That's so awesome. she had Beauty and the daquoise, yes. She did very well. Um, but, you know, those are some of the things we went through last year. And this year, over the weekend, I, start, got, a, I got started thinking, I'm going to 
expand our egg cookery program to junior and intermediate levels. So I was thinking, okay, juniors need to start simple. And this is about where Caleb and Lily are. So we're probably going to start with like a fried egg sandwich and then move on to some omelets and deviled eggs and getting a little more complicated from there. And then we'll probably end with something like a quiche, which you do quite often around your Mm -hmm. house, and that would Mm -hmm. not be something entirely new, but they might try something like a quiche Lorraine. That is a very famous kind of quiche. Not a lot of people know about quiche Lorraine, but that's basically a a quiche that uses um, uh, Swiss cheese or Gruyere cheese, onion, bacon, Parmesan cheese, of course, eggs and cream, because it wouldn't be a quiche without some milk products and eggs. Um, add a little bit of nutmeg and salt, um, maybe some ground pepper. You can tweak that recipe a little bit. Uh, it comes from the Lorraine region of France, and you can um, make quiche Lorraine for yourself at home. Now, quiches are not required to have crust. You can make a crustless quiche. And if you are watching your carbohydrate intake, you might want to consider that. Um, so if you're trying to be on the healthy side and you're like, oh, this it's got cream in it, and oh, this is going to be so rich, I can't do that. You know, there's probably a recipe out there that's right up your alley. You don't necessarily have to use cream. You might be able to use a little bit of a nut milk. You can go crustless. You can add different inclusions into your your quiche. And you can get a quiche that is absolutely tasty if you play around just a little bit. Mm -hmm. So for intermediate-level competitors, we're going to probably start them off with, like, a fruit tart and maybe some lemon curd and play around with some angel food cake and go from there. And then we are getting ready for another year with our senior-level competitors. And we're going to do some trifle and sponge cakes and ah, even maybe snow eggs, which are basically um, beaten egg whites that are cooked in a very thin custard and um, kind of like a custard sauce. And then they're left to float in there, two or three per. And it's very easy, very easy to poach. Actually, you're poaching the egg whites in usually water, but, um, you know, you float them in the custard, and you can just use a regular bowl or a glass for that. And it looks just amazing, um, especially if you drizzle a little bit of caramel sauce over the top. Uh, but these are great ways to use up your eggs. But one of the things I know that you talked about was pickling eggs. Mm-hmm. Um, and Andy, I <clears throat> encourage you, the next time you go to pickle some eggs, make mm-hmm. an extra bottle. Make one extra bottle and then don't touch it for the 10 weeks. Actually, mm-hmm. don't touch it for, you know, maybe a couple extra bottles. And then don't touch it for, oh, I don't know, a month and a half. And mm-hmm. let another one go for the full 10 weeks. And then you and your family can crack open those bottles alongside your one- or two-week-old um, pickled eggs and do mm-hmm. a taste test at home. We'll, we'll call that the 
Andy Schneider or Schneider Family Pickled Egg Taste Test. <laughs> and you can try that and you can cut them in half and you can wedge those eggs and have everybody try <clears throat> a little bit of the yolk, a little bit of the white and see where the flavors really start to penetrate and if they're mm-hmm. penetrating the ways you want them to. Right. So continue experimenting in the kitchen. Just do so safely with your eggs. Exactly. Um, and I think I need I think we need to go to a a, a break, break. But we I was and I've got a question. Eggs if you want. Oh yeah, yeah let's do freezing eggs. That's fantastic. And I I'll have a couple of questions when we come back too. One's about the angel food cake and one's about the um custard, like custard pie. So I've got to make sure I remember those before we come back. Folks, if you're just tuning in, uh, don't worry, because after the show, the live show is done, it'll be formed into a very cool podcast for your listening pleasure. You can list the, listen to the entirety of the show 24 hours a day, seven days a week, as much as you want. So, But right now, we got to go to commercial break, but we'll be back with more with Dr. McRae. Since 1921, Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg's family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for both the beginner and experienced poultry keeper. Stromberg should be on the top of your list when it's time to order your new day-old baby chicks and poultry supplies. Order online today at strombergschickens.com. That's strombergschickens.com. Chickens across the country are flocking to grubbits. These natural oven-dried black soldier fly larvae are sustainably raised right here in the USA. Grubbits account for 10 to 15% of a normal diet and are available at almost half the price of some competing brands. More calcium, stronger eggshells, healthier feathers, happier hens. Find Grubbits online at grubbits.com, on social media at Grubbits, or on Amazon, G-R-U-B-B-E-T-S. That's Grubbits, the feed chickens need. Metzer Farms is now hatching and shipping the premier egg layer. This girl is consistently laying jumbo eggs with a higher nutrient density and lower water content than your eggs now. She is an extremely hardy bird and the most heat and cold tolerant egg layer available, allowing for year-round outdoor production. An eggshell unmatched in sturdiness and thickness, making cracks a thing of the past. Increase your health and double your egg profits. Of course, we're talking about ducks. Duck eggs are revered by chefs for their succulent flavor and by bakers for being the better baking egg. Learn more about this extraordinary duck, the Golden 300, or any of our other 35-plus breeds of ducks and geese at MetzerFarms.com and order your next flock from us. And now we return to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer with your host, Andy <clears throat> Schneider. Alrighty, thank you very much for staying with us today as we wrap up uh, or start to wrap up this last segment. And I do have a couple of questions for Dr. McRae as because I'm definitely going to get the kids involved in doing a Angel Foods cake. So 
I, like I said, I'll just I'll find a recipe and um, I'll go out today and, and get me the the pan that I need. I got to go out today anyway here a little bit, check mail and whatnot. And um, so from beginning to end, what would you say is the I don't want to say the most important part, but maybe the part that uh, as a newbie doing this angel food cake with an eight and ten year old, what what do I need to focus on? What what's going to be easy to screw up? What do I need to be careful with? You know, just have, whatever one question that is. A, a newbie angel food cake. What one thing I really need to get right? <laughs> yeah, that was that was quite the setup. <laughs> You're going to have four bowls sitting in front of you. Okay. Okay. So one bowl is going to be for your egg whites, and one bowl that will be smaller can be for your yolks. Okay. You're going to have one bowl that you crack each egg into mm-hmm. and carefully mm-hmm. examine that there aren't any meat spots or blood spots or any shell that you get in there, and you're going to use an mm-hmm. egg separator to separate the yolks from the whites. You do not want even a thought of a yolk getting in with your egg whites. So make sure that you absolutely have no yolk mixed in with your egg whites. So you're going to crack each egg individually Mm -hmm. into a bowl and separate out the yolk. And you can use an egg separator or you can use your hands. Yes, that's three three bowls. bowls. And then the last bowl is for your shells. So you can um, just collect your shells all at once so you can... Boom, 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 be done in about five minutes cracking all 12 eggs. And any egg that you get um, maybe shell into, use the tip of a knife to get that shell out of there rather than trying to swim around Mm -hmm. in there with your finger. Um, You know, the tip of a knife is actually going to do far more for you. um, and It'll be much faster to remove any shell. But it's a four-bowl process for, for getting that done. And then you'll... Um, you know, make sure that all your equipment is clean and oil-free. So mm-hmm. your whisk, your beaters, whatever you're using to beat the egg whites, mm-hmm. if you're not sure that it got really clean, just take a little bit of white vinegar or lemon juice mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. run a paper towel soaked in that over that surface, and that should take care of any sort of residual um, oil that could have um, been left behind on any of your equipment for any reason, one reason or another. Okay. Um, but that's, you know, oil is your enemy there. Oil and fat is your enemy in foam formation. Okay. My and next question. You had a question about okay. custard pie. I do. So uh, as long as I can remember, if I have a custard pie, there's a custard pie sitting there, you know, at a funeral buffet, I'm just kind of thinking back where, you know, I see custard pies at church or a family reunion or whatever. There's been a couple slices taken out or whatever. Maybe it's a couple of days after and you pull it out of the fridge. And, and there always seems to be, from what I look at, it's like some oil seepage coming either from the crust or from out between the crust and the, and the um, what are we talking about, the... <laughs> the um, custard. So is, is that, is, yeah, is that oil because it looks like oil. It's kind of like I got an oil tinge to it, and it just seems like it's under the crust or coming out of crust, whatever I'm eating, or I have seen slices taken out a couple of days later, whatever, from the custard. Is there is oil in custard? Or is that... firm? Is, is, your, is your crust still firm, or is it mushy? 
by that, that, that let's say a day or two later, it's probably mushy. It's probably been saturated with uh, mm-hmm. with custard. I'm guessing, but I just it, it, to me when I'm because I want to do a custard pie too. I think the kids might like it. Um, but I was just that for some reason when I, when someone says custard pie, I like it. I'm going through the line at you know the old fashioned. Uh, Morrison's cafeteria, and I'm like, oh, okay, and there, there it is. So I'm sitting on the plate there, from coming out from under the crust, and it looks kind of like an oil. It could be just some remnants or some condensation coming out of and dripping down. Yeah, the, I'm I don't not know. familiar <clears throat> with what you're talking about. I've not seen okay. what it is that you're talking about. Gotcha. What if I see it when we make this, I'll. Uh, <laughs> I know, right? Exactly. It just is every, restaurants wherever. It's just like what's it, you know. So um, if I see it, I'll take a picture of it and I'll be like, see, here's what I'm talking about. Yeah. It looks like oil is seeping out. So those are the only two questions that uh, I had. But I'm definitely today when I'm out, I'll get me the proper pan for the angel food cake. When you said it uses a dozen eggs, well, the kids will be happy because they get cake and they don't. That's a dozen eggs that they don't have to wash. <laughs> <laughs> If you're looking for something to use up eggs, you can blow out the eggs and sell the egg shells. So what are you going to do with the egg contents? Well, if you're freezing eggs, if you're blowing out eggs, you're usually, you know, you've got a whole egg that's come out of that shell. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if if you just want to throw that, away you can but you can just take whole eggs and you beat them until they're just blended and then you can put them into any sort of freezer container um, seal it tightly um, put on there how many eggs you put into that container because you'll forget (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and then um, go ahead and freeze it and then when you've got you know they're good for up to a year when you freeze them Um, Thaw them overnight in the refrigerator, or you can thaw them under running cold water. Um, as soon as they're thawed, you can go ahead and use them. Thawed egg whites will, will go ahead and, you know, you can separate egg whites and egg yolks. Uh, if you crack them open and you're not trying to save the shell, you can separate your egg whites and your egg yolks. Just be aware that um, egg yolks, change a little bit when you freeze them. They tend to thicken or gel mm-hmm, when you mm-hmm, freeze mm-hmm. them. So that means that your yolks have to go through a little bit of special treatment. You can eat, you know, they'll become really gelatinous, so gelatinous, they'll be almost impossible to use them in a recipe if you just go ahead and freeze them. But to keep this gelation at bay, you can add, like, say, oh, if you've got a quarter cup of egg yolks, you can add a you can add salt or you can add sugar, maybe corn syrup. You can add an eighth of a teaspoon of salt or maybe one and a half teaspoons of sugar or corn syrup. Um, so you can get about four yolks for a quarter cup of eggs, and then you know, of course, if you're doing quite a bit of this, label which ones you've added salt to and which ones you've added <laughs> um, sugar to. And then go ahead and freeze them. And, um, you know, the sweet ones you could use in baking for desserts and the salted ones you can use in main dishes. Um, for egg whites, you know, you know, make sure you don't have any egg yolk that's got in there. Um, you can take one egg white and freeze one egg white in a regular size ice cube tray. Um, in each one of those, and then 
when they're done, you can pop them out of the ice cube tray and put them into a Ziploc bag um, after you've frozen them and label that Ziploc bag with how many, um, you know, egg whites you put in there or how many cubes you put in there. And then later on, you can just pull however many whites out of there you need for a recipe and then thaw them and work with them. Um, Thawed egg whites will beat to a better volume if you let them sit to reach room temperature for about 30 minutes. Um, And, yes, they've been frozen, so make sure you cook your dish Mm -hmm. thoroughly Mm -hmm. and um, you will be happy with the results. Um, Just know that, you know, frozen egg yolks will gel on you and um, pretty sure gelation will be a word that will end up in a spelling question for avian bowl this year. <laughs> so make sure make sure Caleb and, and Lily are ready for me, okay? Gelation. It sounds like a question for the avian bowl. Oh yeah, or gelatinous. <laughs> Gelation or gelatinous. There you go. <laughs> I've seen a lot of folks over but, the last few years. They'll um they'll freeze eggs, but they'll crack an entire egg into a section like the old ice trays that have like, oh, yeah. I don't know, 12 ice cubes and they'll crack one and put it in and then they'll freeze it and they'll just, you know, pop one, however many out they need out of those ice trays and use them. I don't do that. Never done that. But I guess I thought that was clever if it works. So, um, well, yeah, it's, we're always, it's, you're going to run into gelation with that yolk. <laughs> so it's not going to behave exactly the same, but now, you know, now I know, now you know gelation. We, and I learned a new word today, gelation. <laughs> I think I'll use, I'll, I'll use that when you we're making... You have to use it in a sentence later mm-hmm. on today. I will do that. I will do that. Caleb, Lily, we are not going to freeze these eggs because we'll run into gelation when we go to use them. Hmm. They're, they're looking, looking at you like you're crazy right <clears throat> now, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love it. Thanks so much for coming on today. It was a fun show. Sure, I'm glad you enjoyed it. And we didn't tackle the the 4-H poultry barbecue contest, but maybe we'll tackle that next time and we can discuss it and how maybe some of your family in the future can participate in that way awesome contest. Well, I know as long as you've been coming on the show 12 years now, I think it is. We and, and every time Has we talk been? about that, <laughs> it's been 12 years. Um I know that um we always talk about the the challenge of you and I uh, getting our grills and 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 cooking and barbecuing the chicken and um so for 4H standards so um you know yeah, maybe, one of these years we're gonna have to have a grill off you yep, and me we'll have to yep that'll be you fun you sound so thrilled about that prospect <laughs> calm down grilling. I'm not a, <laughs> you will beat me to a pole okay listeners. Who's going to do who win at the grill? Is it going to be Andy or is it going to be me? Oh, if, I, if, <laughs> if there was some odds on that, I would place uh, a lot of money on, on Dr. McRae winning, trust me, um, I, my own money. So uh, that's how come, you know, I just uh, <laughs> I'm uh, far from a perfect griller. So anyway, hey, <laughs> thanks for coming on. Great show. It was fun. And we'll see you back in a couple of weeks. You take care. Bye. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you. So, yes, I am, without a doubt. Um, I am going to the store here in a, probably within the hour, and I've got a, errands to run anyway, but I will stop by and get me a Angel Food Cake 
um, pan and we'll uh, tackle that. Maybe not today because I don't see any counter space in the, ref in, the, in the refrigerator, in the kitchen at all right now because I see a bunch of sanitized mason jars and getting ready to be have put a ton of potatoes in there for our long-term food storage. So probably not today, but definitely when she said takes a dozen eggs to make uh, um, an angel food cake, I, I could envision it making a lot of people happy here. One, because that would be a dozen eggs they don't have to wash as an 8 and 10 year old as their chores here on the homestead. Uh, and then they get cake out of it as well, and they get the fun of making the cake. So that's going to be a, a no-brainer. Um, and then while I'm in town, I will probably stop by Walmart and pick up some pine shavings from American Wood Fibers um, because when I buy my feed and, and, and farm supplies in bulk from my favorite mom-and-pop store, uh, which is Brookshire in Dawsonville, Georgia, <coughs> you know, I buy in bulk, and I will need other supplies like maybe wood shavings in between. So instead of driving 30 minutes to and 30 minutes back, if I'm already in town, I'm already buying – an angel food cake pan. I'm already buying who knows what uh, in the area, and I'm having to be driving by the Walmart. I can guarantee you that there is one product anyway in that Walmart that is not made or manufactured and no money goes to China, and that is the American Wood Fibers pine wood shavings that we use here on the homestead. And that's why, hey, I'm already at Walmart. I'll buy them. It's going to save me 30 minutes to 30 minutes from plus loading them plus paying for them. <clears throat> Uh, in between my once a month or once every six week uh, supplies run to my favorite mom and pop feed store. And so that's where I'll pick up my wood shavings. American Wood Fibers have both the cedar shavings, if you like to use those for whatever. Some people don't like them. And are your pine shavings. And I'm really keeping my fingers crossed. I'm really hoping that this fall we'll finally be able to kick off our odor control shavings that we've been testing for at least, or maybe even coming up. I know it's at least three years, maybe coming up on four years. And I hope they'll be finally, they may already be readily available online from American wood fibers, but, um, <clears throat> but um, may hopefully they'll become more readily available because um, I'll start using those as well. But for the time being, I'm going to be in town. I may even go to Walmart to buy that silly pan um, and it'll probably be made in China. But um but I can guarantee you, I know there's one product in Walmart right now that's not made in China, and that's the American Wood Fibers uh, Pine Wood Shavings that I'm going to get as well while I'm there. So um love those guys. They're great, and they're working really hard to get these odor control shavings that work fantastic uh, out to you and distributed to you uh, in an easy manner. So thanks for tuning in, folks. I really do appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed the show. And remember, uh, it will be archived for your listening pleasure as a podcast here in just a little bit. I'm the Chicken Whisperer, and I will see you next time. This has been Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Tucker Milling, with your host, Andy Schneider. For more information, find us on the web at chickenwhisperer.com, on Facebook by typing in The Chicken Whisperer, on Twitter at Backyard Poultry, and on Instagram at The Real Chicken Whisperer. Thanks for listening.